Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik, and today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my really good friend, Dr. David Phelps. Hi, David. Mike, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. So what's new and exciting in the world of David Phelps and Freedom Founders? (laughs) David Phelps and Freedom Founders, they're almost like, to me, you cannot separate them. Because this is your baby, this is your child. So let's let's talk about what what what's what's new in the world of Freedom Founders. Well, I think a lot of what's new in Freedom Founders is probably also what's going on in a lot of our colleagues, our investors, uh, whether they're operators or past investors like we are in Freedom Founders. A lot of the same questions are going on in a lot of people's minds, of course, Mike, and probably some of the things you want to dig into today, but. Like what's going on in the markets and, you know, how do we hedge and protect and still stay invested or should we invest and what do we invest in and all these questions. It's uh, I think, I think people as they become more mature and more sophisticated about their finances. And that's what we love about the investors we get to work with, right? Is because they do want to be on the forefront of more managing their money, even, you know, managing it, you know, through vis-a-vis funds like you have, uh, but they still like to understand it. And I think that's what we like. So they want to understand it as they understand more about it they become more sophisticated about understanding the nuances of the marketplace and economics. And that's a good place for people to be who want to be on that forefront. Now, that also brings with it the questions they start to have about, well, you know, interest rates are going up and what's that going to do to to real estate equities? And, you know, just, you know, are we going to have a recession? So what's new for Freedom Founders is really what's probably new on the forefront for everybody's minds. You know, how do we navigate the oncoming quarters ahead. Uh, no one has a crystal ball. We'll always will say that. But, you know, can we stress test uh, certain aspects of our investing? Uh, as Warren Buffett says, we want to, number one rule is to preserve principle. Uh, number two is don't forget number one, right? Uh, we've been we've been, we've been used to, we've been used to really, you know, the last 10 years, uh, notwithstanding, you know, the, the little blip we had in uh, early COVID of 2020, right? We had that that blip where things like stalled out for a short time until the Fed came to the rescue. But outside of that, you know, going back, coming out of the Great Recession in 2008 and nine and kind of hitting the valley of that in 11 and 12, we've had this, you know, 10 years of just straight up growth in almost every sector you could look at. Almost every sector's had like straight up growth. And we've all been winners in that regard if we've been involved in anything whether it's businesses or investments or wherever it's just like almost everything's worked pretty darn well and the realization's coming to people who haven't really thought about it or haven't been through it before that markets always cycle this has just been a long time coming where it goes how deep it goes how long it lasts that's anybody's guess but here we are so you asked the question <laughs> that's what's on the minds of, of folks that I, I get to work with and you know a lot of the same folks because uh because you're there uh given an opportunity to invest their capital yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, everything you said is just gold. People are asking these questions. They are on everybody's mind. And uh, unfortunately, we got too accustomed to Fed manipulating U.S. economy. What's really fascinating is we're recording this on uh, November 30th, and I don't know when it's going to air. But today, Fed announced that they're going to be slowing down, that they are uh, likely approaching their target rate and the increase 
for December, it's going to be 50 basis points. That's the most likely scenario, although they're not committed until they have a formal meeting. And you know what happens with stock market? It's having a great day. It's so happy out. about it. Yeah. 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 So, but the, the, it is, it's almost the big difference between real estate and the stock market. The stock market, you see this in, in seconds. Real estate, right. it, 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 it takes the time to sink in. In general, interest rate, uh, high interest rates are not good for stocks. They're not good for real estate. Uh, so those things are generally accepted principles, but the impact is very visible. The stock market volatility is a whole lot higher versus the um, uh, the real estate. It takes time to sink in. But the other really important point, and I wanted to say again from some of the re- recent deals we, 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 we've, well, we've brought to the community, and uh, I have to say that uh, as a trusted advisor in the community, I'm very impressed with additional um, rigors of review uh, that uh, you're implementing together with Larry. So uh, part of the investment review committee, now you're looking for three scenarios, kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, your base case, your optimistic, and you're in the pessimistic scenario. And I have to say in this environment, it's even more important to do this uh, because we don't know. And preparing for a worst case scenario is the way to go. So I just wanted to um, say thank you for bringing that up. I think it's a great idea to have folks prepare for those, for the good, the bad, the ugly scenarios. But let me ask this question. Uh, so do most members are thinking about slower deployment of capital, just wait and see policy, or still continue to deploy capital, just be more conservative, look for more debt investments in first lien position versus equity, or look for preferred equity versus common equity? I'm just curious how people are thinking to slow down a little bit or continue to do, just look for more conservative investments? I think the answer is some of both, and it depends upon who the investor is, Mike, meaning that we have you know investors who are at various stages of their career business investing you know pathway, if you will. We have uh quite a few who are right in the middle of you know career path, right? Maybe family with kids still at home, or maybe kids getting close to graduating out of home, but still in that in that stream where usually um growing a business and having profitability and then having investment capital to invest is 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 there and i think that group of people who still see there's probably some good runway for them to stay involved in active income they're more willing uh, and probably more desirous of keeping as much of their capital invested in prudent investments than sitting on the sidelines uh so this is it's a general statement i'll say also in a general statement that those who are further along on the pathway of their of their career more enders uh, close to the end, uh, typically have more capital because they've had a longer time to uh, accrue capital. Maybe they're selling, uh, harvesting equity from the sale of a business. And so they have a bigger lump of capital and they're also potentially getting off of the active income uh, aspect of life, which provides a certain amount of security because when you have active income, you can make up for deficits other places. Once you decide for sure you're leaving active income because it's your desire to, quote, uh, move on to the next phase of your life, that's a great great opportunity to have, but it also requires those people to be, in their minds, even more cautious. They don't want to make they they can't afford to make a mistake. When you're younger, you can make some mistakes, right? Not big ones, but you can make some mistakes and try some things and maybe throw. Uh, we don't like to talk about gambling at all, but you know they might put some money out there and some things. I don't want to get a sidetrack here, but uh, you know, younger people tend to, to throw more money at crypto. Okay, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying you know, they they will, right? And okay, fine if you want to do that. Uh, the people that I'm that we talk about that are more enders 
are going to be more cautious, I would say. And so they could be the ones who might say, I want to keep a little bit more of my capital, maybe even some of it, you know, totally sidelined in cash. Okay, uh, but but that's not going to be a big proportion because they still understand that as sophisticated sophisticated investors learning more about the markets, where they can uh, invest their capital on the capital stack, which which you do a great job explaining that in the four quadrants to give them filters, they still want to be invested for the most part. So I think there's a little bit of, of variation there, but not that many who are just like so pulled back that they're like, oh, I don't want to do anything because I just don't know. I think we've had the advantage of having the opportunity to have engaged with the people we work with, Mike, for some time, right? We build relationships. They have already a track record with us. Uh, they don't look for us to be perfect because none of us are, but they do look for us to us for guidance. And you're one of the best I know that gives you and Alina give that guidance uh, in the education uh, on, on the forefront every time. You're never one to say, uh, here, let me get you into this fund. No, you, you explain things first and you have different vehicles that you can help uh, people utilize to attain their goals with different buckets of money. And I think that's what it's about today is giving people options with education. And then they feel like they're part of their financial plan and not just typically abdicating it to Wall Street and hoping a money manager takes care of it for them, uh, which our, our folks are not about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great wisdom. Um, it's so interesting. I had a conversation with an investor, not a Freedom Founder community member, a different one yesterday. And he called me and he was asking about the funds he's already invested into, our funds. And one of the first questions he says, so we're going into this recession and um, now I'm adding more money to the account, but I'm not, I'm worried what's the risk to the principal. And I go back and I think to your first question to Warren Buffett, rule number one, don't lose money. Right. So it, it's kind of very important to continue to think safety in this environment, but you're absolutely right different strokes for different folks, different stage of life, different age, different personal circumstances, different sources of money can take a little more risk or a little bit less less risk. But but everything you said very strongly resonates with me in the thinking uh, for most investors should be how much risk am I willing to tolerate? And that knowledge of the risk and reward is even more important now because you're no longer looking at the top line return, but really looking at the risk-adjusted return. And we're going into this riskier environment. And that's why risk-adjusted return is a holy grail conversation because you can lose money in, in, in everything, in stock market and real estate. So my response to him was, you're a big boy. You're asking me the questions. You want me to tell you your investment is safe and guaranteed? My name is not Bernie Madoff. So I can't do that. But the question is, is the right question. So ask the question differently. And, and that was a that was a good conversation. Because some people want to know that they're safe. Although if you want guaranteed income, it's US Treasuries, right? It's well, not necessarily Yeah, that that that's you're exactly right. I mean, that's 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 the spectrum we can look at. Yes, you can invest today in in treasuries at you know four percent, and if that's if that's your moniker of safety, and that's what you and that will do it for you uh, with your, with your larger game plan in the years you have left and the amount of capital you have. Fine. Um, most people, uh, preponderance of people, don't have that. They've got to keep money working at a little bit higher rate. But at the same token, you and I both talk a lot about the fact that you know chasing yield is also not a smart thing to do. And too many, I, I hate to use the word unsophisticated, but really what it, what it is, is is people who chase yield, more speculative, right? And again, 
for the greater part of the last 10 years, you know, chasing yield has worked out for most people. What they don't understand is that particularly when we go through a market turn, probably the last thing you want to do is chase yield. Uh, you, you've got you've got to pull your sights down a little bit. And if you really are about preserving capital, uh, be happy with, you know, in, investing in, in equities or debt that are producing, you know, in, in low double digits. Um, the, you know, the, the, you, the recency bias of the returns that you and a lot of other great operators have been able to produce. And I'm not saying that your returns are going down, but I'm just saying I tell people, you know, on a risk-adjusted basis, which you talk about all the time, is if you were used to getting with your equity investments with some institutional debt leverage in, in place, you know, high high teens or 18, 19%, whatever it might be, or 14 or 15, would you be happy and would you be okay if those returns came down, let's say, six points? I would. If, if it's a market condition, market condition, not nothing to do with the, the ineptness of an operator, but just market condition uh, says that you know the market is providing you, David Phelps, today, uh, a solid return of 10 or 12%. And I was getting two years ago on the same kind of investment. I was getting 15 or 16 or 18. Am I going to be happy? Yeah, because because I'm educated. Um, I, I have relationships with people like you who have always been there to explain Here's what we're investing in in the fund. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how. Here's the different allocations we're making to give the fund diversification. So in different models, different times in the market, we have allocations. You know, in in some debt and some and some equities, and and here's how it's broken apart. So I'm not going to be all worked up if I don't get my you know what I what, what I thought was you know used to be at 18. percent I'm going to be fine at 12. You know, because again, I you I preserved my capital and I'm just getting a return that the market is able to return for me where it is right now. Yeah, that's a that's a great state of mind. That uh, resetting expectation. By the way, the conversation with the investor continued, and he, and he asked me what's been the return in the last couple of years. And I've given him high level number, and though I'm ha pretty happy with that, you know, my answer to him was, "Well, past results don't guarantee future performance. In fact, they're not indicative of future performance. In fact, you got to go one step further and set the expectations lower." Yes, that's why for every fund we have a range in. Folks should actually reset the expectations uh, if they're investing today that the returns may come down somewhat, and they still have to be comfortable with that. If they're not comfortable with their with with this environment, they should stay out of it. But you're absolutely right; people need to be deployed. Idle capital, inflationary environment erodes the value. So That's sitting right. in cash is not a solution either. That's right. So I think this is why Freedom Founder community is even more relevant now than ever before, because ever before you could throw the stuff on the wall with inexperienced operators and succeed anyway because the market took care of the business. But right. today, working with the best of the best um, operators is, is 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 more relevant than ever in the past, at least in my in my view. And, and, and you've assembled a great group of trusted advisors who are very, very experienced operators with, with strong track record, but only not, not only strong record, but ability to solve problems. I think problem solving in this environment is going to be even more important than um, riding a wave when things are succeeding. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, kind of what, why Freedom Found is even more relevant now than ever before. Yeah, I think I think it's huge, the points you make, Mike. And I like to say that in Freedom Founders, we zig when other people zag. And that's not to be judgmental or any way put down other organizations or family offices that you know help uh, people invest their money. It's 
just I've I built Freedom Founders, as you said, based on relationships um, and where I don't have a personal bias in terms of where people put their money. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that kind of a model. It's the typical financial model is, you know, there's uh, there's promoters or uh, you know, uh, commission based people that help raise capital. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a capital capitalistic market. But I want to create a, a forum, a community where I didn't have a stake in where people put their money. I just, my stake is just having the highest caliber of people. And you're right, I, I am biased, but I, I believe that, that the trust advisors that we have, of, 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 of which you are uh, been a part of for many, many years. In fact, one of, one of the early ones, early adopters with us back when we were, we were, we were just growing as a, you know, as a, as a, as a small group. Uh, but I think the, the caliber of the people that I look for, as, as I look, look, look at you, look for people like you is, you know, what's your experience level? What's your track record going back, not just three or four or five years, but, but, you know, going back at least through the last downturn, you know, where have you come from? What have you learned? Uh, and what kind of exposure have you had to the markets setting the expectations as we have been doing this last year and raising the bar in terms of stress testing. You already said it, you know, we, we have a baseline expectation. You can have an optimistic uh, expectation, but also let's stress test it down a lower, more pessimistic. Um, most most sponsors that I see out there today, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but most sponsors are still using um, the the returns uh, that they've had over the last two or three years. Which I that you can you can, you might list that as a line item. Yes, here's the returns we got over the last two or three years. You know, but that's but should the investor, the passive investor, expect those? I think there should be some discussion. About you know if 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 interest rates you know go up here and stay up here well what could that mean and what if what if they do pivot and drop as maybe they may do uh, what what could that look like what other factors could you put into the underwriting see as a passive investor that's what I want to see I want to see through your eyes Mike what you've looked at what you as a company as a team with your underwriters what are you looking at give me some of those data points uh, show me those stress points uh, give me kind of the your, your worst case scenario you know plan for the best but prepare for the worst show me that and and. Based on that, if I could live with what you think might be a really worst case scenario, which probably won't happen, but let's just look at it, that gives me confidence. The people, the sponsors who are still trying to raise capital like they did two or three years ago uh, and throwing numbers out because that's just what they've had in the in, in the era of, of cheap interest rates and wide open credit, uh, I don't think that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think those are the operators and their investors who could be end up being the unhappy ones because they just weren't realistic. You have to be realistic about what the market gives you. That's what makes a sophisticated investor. That's what you do. You navigate um, the, the markets and with good sponsors, uh, people that you've had made relationships with. It is all about relationships and solving those problems. And when the problems will occur, they will occur. We, You and I have been part of uh, you know, some workouts in some different areas. Uh, you know, Fortunately, we were able to, because we have experience to help people move through some of the, the navigations to get there. That's again, we're experienced. I want to work with people who've done that. Tell me what you've done. Tell me, tell me the, the, the war stories that you have of working with people that you've worked with over the, you know, back in 2008, 9, 10, 11. Tell me about some of those, how those work out. What did you do? Right. That's, that's who I want to want to invest my money with. Yeah. I appreciate your wisdom. It's um, we learn a lot more from, let's just call them not great successes. From some yep. level of failure, we will. There's this joke, this expression: is experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. <laughs> right. So, folks get a lot of experience that typically they've had some challenges, and I have to say that it learns, it, it it teaches a lot more. So, going back very quickly to a couple of um, um, kind of thought process on 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 
And we, we, you've talked about this a lot in the past. So focus on cash flow uh, is more important than focusing on value. And in this environment, again, rising interest rates, we're not done yet. The Fed is kind of signaling that they're going to slow down. But what, I, what I observed recently, so well, I want to convey a couple of points. One, there's impact on cash flow, right? Higher rates, if you're an equity investor, expectation, you're going to get lower return on equity. Pretty obvious because cost of debt is going up. Two, ability to refinance. That's one of the big concerns in this environment where we're going. Folks that got cheap debt a few years ago and then they got to refi now, how is that going to happen? The debt service, debt service coverage ratio is, is difficult to meet because the rate's a lot higher than before. Right. And then the third is valuation and then the sales price impact. Really interesting what's happening out there in real estate. I just want to touch a little bit on this. So yesterday I had a call with one of the folks we work with quite a bit, Paul Kibler, Pepper Pike. You obviously know them. We've done a number of deals. He called me with good news. He was able to get $3 million discount on a $63 million purchase on the deal where we are. We haven't yet closed. We, we, the closing got pushed back a little bit. So, and I've heard this story already the second time in within about a month that this environment has actually created opportunities for really good operators to come back to the sellers. So the buyer comes back to the seller and tries to retrade, even though it's not necessarily the prettiest thing to do, but it's the right thing to do because the returns have gotten worse in the mm -hmm. high interest rate environment. So he called me, said, I got better terms. Now I got to readjust the mortgage. I got to readjust this and that. We got to readjust equity a little bit. But it's certainly a good news from the point of view that you got to ask for a discount. If you're a good operator now, you have to find a better uh, price. Now, the discount might not feel like massive discount. It's only about 5%. But that's still a pretty meaningful discount if you add it on top of a conservative underwriting. So I just would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we're still finishing up this deal. By the time this episode comes out, we'll be closed on the deal. But it's going to be a little bit better than originally projected because you buy a little bit at a little better yeah. price. And, and this goes back into do you invest now versus do you wait for a perfect timing to invest? Well, what, what are your back, thoughts? Yeah, back to back into what you just said there is you wait for a perfect timing. No, what I'm waiting for is to hear a story like you just told me there, where um, a known operator uh, was able to uh, retrade. Uh, based on the marketplace. And I think that's the strength of strong operators. The strongest operators have a reputation. Do they not, Mike? Strong operators have a reputation in their in their niche. Uh, what, and what, 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 where's that an advantage other than just being strong, having a strong reputation? It means when a seller really wants to sell um, and they're not just you know kicking kicking tires to see what, what their property might bring, they, they have a reason to sell, whatever it might be. There's myriad, myriad of reasons why. And they really want to sell then they know that going with a strong operator who has a track record of being able to close is very important rather than rather than taking some some fly-by-night higher offer and they get into due diligence and then they flake out two months later and they're back to the drawing board again. So when someone wants to sell, you don't just take the highest offer, you take an offer that you know is market proven. And so for an operator like Paul, who looks at the market as everybody is right now and it's 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 fluctuating you know very much right now with the interest rates as you said and even during a period of six, 60 days um from contract price to close there's so much that can happen it's very realistic for a buy a buyer to go back and and do a retrade based on what the what the numbers are and again why will that seller stay in the deal because if they're logical they understand that if they want the deal to go through and the sponsors 5% is not 15%. It's not 20. It's, it's nominal. Uh, but, it, but if they wait till next quarter, it could be worse. <laughs> and so they, 
I'll strike while the iron's hot. And I think that's an important point of relationships. Again, it's not it's not the ability to, to like throw your money out there at someone who's offering pie in the sky numbers. It's like who really has deal flow that is concrete and solid at the foundations that's going to carry us through uh, and navigate and bring us the the cash flow. So you want me to speak about cash flows? The cash flow cash flow is the oxygen. Cash flow is the oxygen oxygen that will carry a project, whatever that project is, carry it through to the other side of whenever we see interest rates come back down again and, and things get back to some new normal. That's what you have to have. And so if the operator is not negotiating strongly enough on a strong enough cash flow margin, then that could be, become a problem um, in a potentially recessionary environment where maybe uh, rents uh, are decreased a little bit. Well, we can take some of that. We can take some hit on that because again, you've got the strength that could flow through. Um, I, I won't. I won't take a lot more time to talk about some of the other things, but you, you definitely mentioned, um, you know, the ability to refinance. Uh, well, that's a big one too. Where I see, I see operators um, still playing the game with taking floating rates uh, right now, kind of more bridge bridge loans to go into the value add before they take out long term debt in eighteen months, or whatever it might be. I think that's very dangerous right now, extremely dangerous um, if they if they're playing that game, especially with investor money. So I just would watch that very very closely. Yeah, I appreciate the last comment. So uh, just a little bit of color, what I see happening, the really smart operators, they can take a bridge loan, but they have to absolutely have to buy a rate cap. If you have yeah. a rate cap, you have an insurance policy. And that's what we're doing on this deal. The alternative to, the, to that is to get fixed uh, rate financing, like a Fannie or Freddie. The only challenge is those loans have prepayment penalty. So you got to trade off taking a bridge yeah. with, with a rate cap. But it's absolutely the right point. Interestingly enough, this very conversation had took place on Freedom Founder Trusted Advisor uh, weekly call. And one of the folks provides long-term financing for the group. And he provides 30-year financing versus number of uh, banks are floating now ARM loans again, yeah. trying to offer cheaper money. Uh, but the point was you are better with the safety of a 30-year mortgage. You can always refinance when the rates fall. But when you take on an ARM, you take on more risk. That's right. So that was, um, I, I'm completely in agreement with him. Taking a 30-year fixed and refinancing if the rates fall is a better strategy than taking on an arm and taking risk related to the interest rate. Anyway, thank you for your wisdom. Like many other things, this episode is coming to, to, to an end. Unfortunately, good things <laughs> at the end of the day, they must come to an end. So appreciate your wisdom. Um, how would folks, if they wanted to join Freedom Founders, if one of the dentists or one of the doctors is listening and they would love to uh, reach out and uh, see if this is the right fit for them, how would they reach out? Best way to do it would just go to the uh, freedomfounders.com website and there's a place where someone can uh, schedule a discovery call to see if there might be good alignment. And we're very careful about that and cautious uh, to make sure that we feel like anybody who we're, we, we invite to be a part of the group um, can have uh, a solid return on their time, their capital invested. And so we use some criteria to measure that. Uh, we're very, very upfront about that with people. So invite people if they're interested to hear more about it to go to freedomfounders.com and uh, schedule a call and we can go from there. Thank you kindly, David. I really appreciate your friendship, your wisdom and your time. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you <laughs> at the next uh, at the next meeting. Well, actually, Absolutely. See you at the CG Mastermind. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks. Always good to see you, too. Likewise. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fund Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fund book, head to BigMikeFund.com or visit Amazon and type Mike Slotnick. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you.
good one the next episode.